0: Thank you for listening to Together for Peace with Reem Gunaim. So I want to welcome all of you to the RAG for Peace webinar. Um, And it's the Together for Peace webinar, living room conversations from our homes in this social isolation. Um, I wanted to start this series with the the RAG team and the production team to um, really connect us in this time and realize that action for peace can continue uh, through our connectivity and through our intention to bring it forward to um, every Rotarian worldwide. And so for this Therese, we are highlighting peace builders um, and Rotarians and rag for peace members and amazing people out there doing amazing work uh, for peace building And um, Matt is absolutely one of them. Um, Matt uh, is our featured guest today. And uh, Matt is, I just learned he joined the (laughs) Rotary. He's a Rotarian, he's an amazing peace builder. Um, Matt has an amazing story that I can't wait to share with all of you. He grew up in California, and um, through his, he started a journey uh, from there and then as a child going to summer camps and no spring breaks in, in Mexico, was inspired uh, to do more for humanity. He will tell us more about that. Um, and then um, he that took him on a journey to um, lead on uh, human trafficking. And Matt now is um, the West Coast Director of Advancement for Destiny Rescue, the USA, his primary goal is to grow awareness and funds to combat the global issue of human trafficking, especially child sex trafficking. He is responsible for maintaining and developing partnerships in this fight in empowering people to uh, turn awareness into action. And he has done that because um, he's really, in, he's been instrumental in uh, securing almost over 5,000 cases of, um, of, uh, of people, of, of women and children who were um, um, exposed to human trafficking. And he was instrumental in saving this amazing matter number of, of people from all over the, wo- of the world. He takes great pride and joy in helping people figure out what their yes looks like to help defend children. Um, Matt is also a graduate of California State University. Um, he finished school with a bachelor's of arts in communications and an emphasis on advertising. Um, and over the last decade, Matt has been working with youth and involved in nonprofit work. It, and he is curren- it is currently his desire to continue to fight until all are free from sex trafficking. So um, in his free time, Matt enjoys spending time with his beautiful wife, Laura and two kids, um, Tyson and Verena um, traveling and being outside and active. So, Matt, um, It's like the
1: opposite of what I can do right now.
0: (laughs) Matt, I would love to welcome you and I want to uh, invite everyone in our group to welcome Matt. And, um, um, if you want to welcome Matt, please type welcome in the chat box. I want to also give a shout out to, um, the production team, Ana de Silva and Anise, uh, who has been helping us in setting this webinar, and to all the Rag for Peace uh, leadership, um, headed by our chair, Allison Sutherland, and um, and um, the Rag for Peace membership and um, Beast Builders, who without them, this would not be possible. So, Matt, um, to get to jump to our conversation, how was how the spring breaks in Mexico um, influenced you in a way that shaped the values that you are leading by today can you share a story or a highlight from your trips there that can um, enlighten and and help us join you on your journey um, that leads you to talking to us today about human trafficking
1: yeah for sure first off all just like thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here it really is a privilege and just the time and effort um, all of you uh, put, put put in to just make this happen, and everyone who's listening, just uh, it is a privilege to get to to speak to each of you. Um, yeah, so so spring break, it's definitely not the uh, the standard lead into how that shaped you um, in in nonprofit world, but um, I would go back until it's probably fourth or fifth grade um, that I used to go uh, down to Mexico for for spring break every year. Uh, my mom was on. A board of a couple different orphanages uh, down in, in uh, like in Baja, and in a couple different parts of Mexico. And my dad um, was an elder uh, deacon at the church that we were at when I was little. And one of the things that was very important for them, um, and I think also really for my mom, you kind of put a pause in that. She she was born and raised in Puerto Rico and and grew up in Panama, so she was definitely you know exposed to a lot of the of the rest of the world before being here in the United States. Um, So what's really important for for my mom and my dad is us seeing how the rest of the world lived and how it was different from you know where we were where we were living and just kind of open our 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 hearts and our mind up to how a majority of the world um, lives. And uh, so from that, basically every I don't I I literally don't think I missed a spring break uh, until I went away to college. Um, we would be down in Mexico doing house builds or, or programs for kids and, and different stuff like that all um, all spring break every year. And that really, um, I think, planted a seed in just me recognizing um, how the rest of the world lives or how a lot of the world lives and just the kind of the privilege that, that I had being raised where I, I was being raised and having the family that I had. Um, and that kind of just, I think it took a long process for me to really learn that and and see that and implement that into my life, but it was definitely a seed that got planted. And I think uh, one of the, the main stories or images that I just have um, from going down there was one of the places that we would go um, directly across the street from us was, uh, you know, a little boy and his mom and the family all lived right there across the street. And one of their their walls was was just a, a mattress, you know, leaned up to provide shelter and, and protection from from the environment. And I remember, you know, at the end of the day, we would always like a bunch of the kids and everyone would come out and we would just play soccer in the street and barefoot running around in the dirt and just using whatever we could for a goal or, or whatnot. And those, those little kids that came out of that house were just always so happy they were always just like the biggest smiles on their face and they didn't have a care and it was just so cool to me to see like wow like I I I don't even feel like I'm that happy and excited and I and I have what I have and, and have the resources and everything and it was just such an encouragement to me from then just like want to want to do something different wanted to want to give back as as much as I could so like I said it was it was a long process getting to that but I think that was really you know some of the seeds that were planted Um, at that point
0: I love how your parents has been very instrumental in joining and helping you join uh, the rescue. And so uh, that's the part of, you know, how your mom kind of pushed you there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious to hear more about your dad um, and how how you got to even learn about uh, the rescue in the first place and um, through your dad.
1: Yeah, so, so through my dad, um it goes to, I owed my dad money. And you know, what, what uh, kid hasn't owed their dad money at some point in time in their life, but it was a pretty substantial amount. And I uh, was trying to pay him back and everything. And he, he just came up to me. Um, one time was like, you know, instead of paying me back the rest of the money, he's like, I want you to donate it to this cause. And the cause was an organization called crisis aid. And I was just kind of like, why, why don't you want the money? Who is crisis aid? What is this? And what do they do? And I started um, researching, you know, some of the stuff that they do and they do human trafficking and they, they work with orphans and they have, you know, they help build homes and water and all of this stuff that they're doing. So from that, um, it just really was like, oh, okay, like I, I need to be paying more attention to some of this stuff and learning about what's going on. I mean, if my dad, you know, has a heart for the issue enough where he's like, hey, don't pay me back. Be, be providing them with the, the money that you're supposed to be giving me. So that um, really just kind of, I think, started the journey of me looking into human trafficking more, knowing more about um, what it was and learning about it um, from that. Uh, I guess I had been aware of, you know, in the back of my head if you know, or mind, if someone brought it up, I wasn't like, oh, what's that? I have no idea. I, I knew, but that was definitely the starting point of, of really looking into it and just kind of having a better understanding.
0: Um, well, since you are the expert on human trafficking, uh, we would love for you to um, help us like understand more about the details of human trafficking. What is human trafficking in the first place for people who has, are not very familiar with it? Um, and mm-hmm. interesting facts about human trafficking. Why is it such an important uh, problem that we need to address? Um, so just tell us more about human trafficking.
1: Yeah. Um, so first off, like the, the definition of human trafficking is really just any type of force, fraud or coercion in order to get labor, um, sex acts, commercial acts out of someone. Um, so that really is just kind of like the umbrella uh, statement uh, is you are, is you're manipulating people or you're forcing people, or you're using um, their, you know, part of it is, is exploitation, you're using their Lack of something, their need, or whatever that is, in order to be able to benefit yourself or or use um, them for a product. Um, some of, I guess, the the bigger uh, statistics and some of the the numbers, uh, you know, that we like look at, just to kind of paint the picture of how how big of an issue um, human trafficking is around the globe. And I want I want to pause really quick before I share it. Uh, when I when I say numbers and statistics, I, I don't say that lightly because it's every number, every statistic in this is, is someone's child. It is someone's brother or sister or daughter or son. And it's not something that, you know, I, I just say lightly and I want you guys to, to think about that. You know, as I talk about dollars or numbers or anything like that, it goes so much beyond the, the number that I'm saying. Um, so I'm gonna share with you guys four uh, statistics um, that we really look at, and they're from the ILO, uh, which is the International Labor Organization, and they do their best to really um, look at the global issue of human trafficking and um, come up with some very accurate and, and conservative numbers of, of what that is. Um, obviously, there's not a database or something that you can just go to to find these numbers, um, so there there is definitely um, margin of error in in, in that. Uh, but one of the first numbers that we look at is just how big of an issue um, human trafficking as a whole is. Um, it's $150 billion a year industry. Um, it's considered the fastest growing illegal trade in the world. And to put that into perspective for you, um, $150 billion a year. And also to um, explain the, the sex trafficking side of it, $150 billion a year is is the global issue of human trafficking. $99 billion of that uh, is linked directly to the commercial sex trade. Uh, so about two thirds of all of the the trafficking money is the uh, the human sex is human tra- sex trafficking. Um, so to put that number in perspective, 150 billion dollars. Um, if you were to take baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, um, so those are the four major you know sports leagues here in the United States, uh, they come in at about 31 billion dollars a year. Um, so on a global scale you're almost five times larger than the four major uh, sports leagues here in the United States. So that's, I mean, you can just see like the picture of how big um, that is on, you know, just the the financial, the financial side. Uh, The next number that we look at and really kind of why we focus where we focus um, is where uh, trafficking uh, mostly takes place. Um, And and, uh, and that's the Asia Pacific area. Uh, Again, um, the estimation for that is it's about, um, 74, 75% of all of the uh, human trafficking in the world happens in the Asia Pacific area. Um, our founder, um, sorry, like 73%, our founder for um, Destiny Rescue is from Australia. So he was first really exposed uh, to the issue um, over in Cambodia and Thailand and, and and what was going on there. as it says, you know, seven out of 10 victims are, are all in that, in that area. Um, so he was really exposed and that was really where his heart wanted to be in rescue and from there you know in those those countries we've actually grown into rescue out of seven different countries and we're wanting to be in 30 countries by uh, 2030 so quite the growth um, and on that on that screen you can kind of see how um, trafficking breaks down with the largest portion and then you know you can go in Africa at eight percent you have you know Europe and, and everything across it uh, with with Russia and everything um, at 15%, and then the Americas as a whole at at 4% of the the global issue. And another way uh, to look at this that I like to kind of share um, is it's 93% of the human trafficking happens in an undeveloped country. Mm-hmm. So it's 7% of what's going on happens in a developed country. And really, you know, the the impact in that is is just an overwhelming. You know, skew in one direction um, is happening in places where they don't have resources to fight it. Where um, you know they they might be struggling as it is, and this idea of people that are already um, in need are being taken advantage of. And you know that's something that we're even seeing now with you know COVID nineteen, and this coronavirus running around uh, the world. Is is the people that are in need are again the people that are that are suffering and being exploited uh, the most. So that's one of the reasons you know or our heart has really been for um, that Asia Pacific area and then con- to continue growing from that. Um, like I said, we, you know, we plan on you know, growing as much as possible and wanting to be in more countries, but that's just been kind of the center and growing out from there. Um, and the last number uh, that we look at, which is really kind of why we focus on um, child sex trafficking um, is that it's estimated that there's over a million children at any given time being uh, trapped in, in the commercial sex trade. Uh, so that I mean that number is is a large number of kids that are trapped. so that's really um, the focus um, of where we're rescuing and what's going on uh, for that. And if you remove you know the, the, the kid portion, uh, you you jump to about anywhere between 40 and 45 million is roughly the estimate on depending on where you look of how many people are, are trapped in, in human trafficking or modern day slavery. Um, so to put that into perspective, that's more, slaves um, currently in the world than have ever been in history. Um, so it is a massive number on that.
0: So Matt, I wanted to highlight um, two things I would like you to highlight for our audience because all these numbers are uh, terrible when you think about just the, 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 how big of a problem this is. Um, but I would like to highlight, if you can help us understand why the numbers are so big um and why this why this industry is so profitable compared to for example drugs like why how how is that different from other industries um and the nature of this um sex trafficking or human trafficking um in terms of like what what how it plays out in the real world
1: yeah um so one of the one of the things about you know just the, the human trafficking and I mentioned it's it's considered the the fastest growing illegal trade um, on the planet is well when, and in that so it's it's against drugs and and, and guns and whatnot um, is it is it's a product if you, if you want to use that word um, that can be sold over and over again um, it's something where you know if you sell the gun or you sell drugs or, or whatever that is once you make that sale that that's the end of it and you have to get more product to be able to sell um, again and when it comes to a human trafficking, you're looking at a product that you can sell over and over. And I mean, if you sell a, a, a woman, you know, 10 to 20 times a night, the, the next night, uh, again, you can sell her 10 to 20 times. And, you know, you grow that out over a year or three or, or five, however long you have her in captivity, just the amount of money that you can bring in is, is astronomical. And that kind of feeds into, um, that $150 billion a year. Um, is, is you have a product that people are willing to, to purchase. And it's a product that is, is sold more than once.
0: Which is, um, it's heartbreaking to hear this because it's, you know, to treat people as of their products and, um, and it's um, without any consideration to their human rights or um, their dignity. Um, and I wanted to ask you because we are currently in Rotary are celebrating um, maternal and child health months. Mm. Um, I want you to highlight for our audience the percentage of women involved and children, if possible, involved in this uh, human trafficking and why this issue is so close to Rotary's heart. Because um, yeah, if you can, if you can share that with us. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, when you have all forms of, of trafficking, um, it's about 70, 72% um, that are female. Um, and then when you add it into um, the commercial sex trade, um, you, you jump up to about 95% um, are going to be female. So there's still definitely male in that equation, but it is definitely um, significantly female. Um, and then obviously, when you add in labor and everything else, that, that male number grows um, from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just that it's they target you know those that are in need and those that um, can be manipulated, and so there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into that, and and and, and who and how um, it's done. Um, but those are kind of the the numbers on where the, the females land.
0: Also, um, would you, uh, since we we're talking about that coronavirus uh, situation, how the cyber human trafficking? Um, plays into uh, like how pornography for example increases the demand um, on uh, human trafficking and and you can share a story with us um, Mm -hmm. that you've recently um, a rescue story from um, uh, Rescue Destiny that involved cyber trafficking and how that could be prevented by us especially like changing our behavior for example not really consume pornography as much or like or raising awareness about how human trafficking can treat like pornography increases in human trafficking and mm-hmm. so again share that story to enlighten people listening to, to this conversation
1: yeah um and that's something you know i mean as, as we go through different circumstances and, and different natural disasters or whatever um you know obviously this one with the with the coronavirus and uh, a virus and a medical um, pandemic Um, it causes things to change. And, you know, technology causes things to change. And, you know, it used to be where you you could go down, you knew, you know, the bars you were supposed to go to, or there were the the street pimps and the mamasons, they were out there in the open. And it was easy to, you know, go somewhere and find someone and, and see that, that change. And then even, you know, as technology happens, and even things like um, Airbnb and, and all this kind of stuff where people can move inside and, and quickly find different locations and all this kind of stuff it's 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 uh, definitely changing the game and the impact of what is going on um, the uh, most recent or the the first uh, case that we've been involved in with the with the cyber side um, was really you know a lot of that is again is like you mentioned part of the the coronavirus where now everything is closed where all the places where our agents would normally go all the places Um, where even, like, the criminals would normally go, now they're having to adapt into something else. It's not like they're going to sit there, oh, well, you know, I can't go to the the KTP or the karaoke television place or the beer garden, so I'm just not going to sell what I have to offer. I'm going to figure out a a new way to do it. Um, So then a lot of stuff moves online. And um, so, yeah, the case that happened was we – uh, became aware of um, a little boy who was about three years old, just under three years old, uh, that was being um, abused and and trafficked um, online. And this was um, in Indonesia, or not Indonesia, sorry, in the Philippines. And um, so our agents were able to uh, reach out and and get in touch um, with with the trafficker and what was going on. And it took a while, you know, it takes um, developing an actual relationship. Um, gaining trust with the person and actually being able to meet in in person and figure out what exactly um, you know the 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 deal is gonna be and all of that kind of stuff. And they were actually, you know, over time able to create this this relationship and and gain trust with this person and and meet the trafficker and um, exchange you know you know the money and 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 for what was going to be the service, and at that point was able to actually um, make the the arrest and it and I remember, you know, this, this story, when I, when we, 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 we kind of find out live as it, as it's happening and as it <clears throat> is going down, like, it was just one of those that, you know, just really hit me. Like, I think, you know, you, like, this is the world that I'm in and I'm aware of so much of it, but I, I just remember that day, you know, having it and having like a son who, who's three years old and just being like, oh my gosh, like, how, how is this happening? Like, what, what would I, you know, do to make, you know, my, my, my son safe or, or or protected and something like that. So, um, it was, yeah, it was definitely an an exciting time and story to see, you know, us being able to kind of branch out and connect and, and and make rescues in a different way. And also, um, just probably a story that I'm not going to forget anytime soon.
0: Matt, this is very, um, You know you've summarized human trafficking issue in very um, concrete um, numbers and examples. So now I would like to move into your mission. This is the problem. So how do you rescue? And your work is helping tackle this problem. What you? What are you doing? Problem. What's your model?
1: Yeah. um, So our goal um, is to rescue, restore, and to reintegrate um, those that we rescue. Um, Ultimately, it's to rescue and then. Um, keep them free is really the the shortest version of saying that how do you um free someone from this issue and then uh, give them the tools and the skill sets to to go out and live their dream and be able to you know even figure out that they have a dream um you know there's a lot of people um and these kids that we've rescued that it's like i don't i gave up on dreaming you know i don't i don't know or or in the environment that they're in they they didn't realize having a dream you know was an option um so you know Allow figure out what that is and, and empower them uh, to be able to move forward in that. Um, and, and like I said, the goal is a rescue restore and to reintegrate. So uh, starting with rescue, um, the three main ways that we, we rescue are considered covert, raid, um, and then we do border rescues. Um, covert is going to be uh, where we have undercover agents that actually go into some of these places, um, karaoke TVs, beer gardens, you know, massage polys, wherever. Um, they suspect some of this trafficking and everything is going on. Uh, they'll go in and they'll pose as customers. And we always, you know, make sure we go in as a team, make sure um, we have we have cover and and, and support and, and all of that. Um, but that's something that can be going on all the time. Um, you know, we have a lead, um, a girl gets rescued and, and mentions a friend or mentions, you know, a family member or, or whatever that is. Um, or sometimes it's just agents are – Go, just going in place after place you know looking for uh, these people that are being trafficked and all the training that they've gone through to figure that out um, so in that process you know you, it's basically gaining trust um, of, of the of the girls that are in there and uh, allowing them to, to know and kind of see that you're different than, than the guys uh, that are that are normally coming into there and, it, and it's, it's a very different experience for sure because um, you, you you're, you're posing as a customer who wants to be in there to purchase someone, but then at the same time, you're also trying to show them that you're not, that you're different, that you, you are actually are safe and, and there's an opportunity for them uh, to, to have a better life. Um, so that's kind of the, the covert side. And then you, we offer them the freedom and try to figure out how to get them out. Um, the raid side, uh, which uh, they work really well hand in hand because covert can happen consistently over and over. Um, all the time, but raid is going to need uh, to to be spaced out. It's it's just you know we work with the government, we work with the police in order to to have this happen. Uh, so we actually have to go in and gather intel. We have to you know film transactions. We have to set up operations. So it's not something that happens consistently. Um, it happens over time and as as these these things develop. So they both work you know connected, but but very different. Uh, one of the advantages, obviously, of a raid. Um, is we work hand in hand with the government, with the police. Uh, so, four of the countries that we're in currently, uh, we have MOUs or memorandums of understanding, mm. where we do work directly um, with the police or, or with um, the DSI, you know, which is the Department of Special Investigations, or the NBI, which is na- the National Bureau of Investigations, so in Thailand and, and in the Philippines, <clears throat> um, to to do these raids and. The amazing thing about that is you're you're going in and you are able to make arrests. You know the mamasans, the pimps. You you bring them in. You're able to um, shut the brothel down, shut the massage parlor down, the hotel, whatever that establishment is, uh, because you're coming in there. You know with the illegal authority and what is going on before that. So it definitely is a different aspect, but is is an, a great encouragement because of the 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 uh, impact that it has. You have a question i'm watching yes. you <laughs> keep going
0: <laughs> i do because i think i want you to put the uh the meat on the bones or <laughs> uh, so i would love for you to share with the audience an actual rescue story um that is close to your heart a story of Bodom, um and yep. how how the organization has actually rescued Bodom, and how you've helped her afterwards and why this story you know is important to you yeah
1: yeah so um the story of bodum um one of the the main reasons that i, I really love sharing it i'll, I'll kind of share two stories with you um for that this because uh there's there's basically four ways um or, or reasons that trafficking and, and exploitation happens um and one is poverty uh one is the lack of education and, and another um is in, what well, instability or breakdown of family so those are like kind of three <clears throat> I am in mean, the last one I'll get into uh, with a separate story. Um, but the story of Bodum uh, really shows the poverty side, the lack of education side, and the, just the breakdown of family. Um, so what happened with Bodum, is she lived in a, a loving and caring home. And she had brothers and sisters, and her mom um, stayed at home and took care of her and, you know, ran, ran the home. And her dad uh, worked, and he, he was the sole um, provider for the family. And what ended up happening was um, her dad got sick and he uh, went to the hospital and ended up uh, running up uh, almost $2,000, about $2,000 in medical bills uh, before passing away. And at that point, um, you have a single mom who who's never worked, who has always stayed at home, taking care of, of the family, is now thrusted into uh, this position where she doesn't have an education, she doesn't have, you know, a, a training for a specific job, is being asked to to be the sole breadwinner um, and provider for uh, this family. And what she does is she goes out looking for, for uh, you know, a job and a, a way to pay the bills. And the only thing that she's able to do or, or she gets an offer to provide um, is working, uh, picking mangoes for, for $38 a month. And as you can imagine $38 a month is not, I'm going to pay back the $2,000 debt, and it's also not going to provide for the family. And from that, you know, um, in a moment of weakness or in realizing, you know, that she cannot do this, um, she asked her daughter Bodum, who who was a young teenager at that time, to go um, into the big city. You know, they lived in in a small village, uh, to go into the big city and, and, and look for work. And Bodum, obviously, was like, well, that, yeah, I mean, I I'm absolutely. Like, I want to I work. I want to help provide for my family. And that was where uh, she went. And that's where the, the traffickers found her and realized, you know, her situation and, and the need that she had. And it kind of puts all of that, the, the poverty, the education, you know, not knowing what her opportunities were or where she could go or having that ability to, to, to get a job. And then, obviously, the family breakdown or her, her dad passed away and the mom had to step in and f- um, fill a different role uh, so she she was taken advantage of she was exploited and that was how she was 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 forced into a brothel and forced into um, the sex trade and that's um, where one of our agents was able to find her um, he was able to create a relationship with her and, and able to get her um, out of that environment for um, you know obviously it took time to to to, to gain trust and then to get her out and into one of our homes where she was able to start he- the healing process and 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 the reintegration process and everything that was that and and from that um you know she went through um our sewing school and she went through uh, got a job doing that and she actually went on um to work uh for for a kids ministry um uh, after that as well but uh, one of the the, the reasons that uh, that that story is really near and dear to me um is it really shows the holistic picture and everything of destiny rescue and and what we wanna do, because it wasn't just about Bodum in that, in that scenario. We also wanted to go out and figure out like, well, well how did you get into this, this situation and, and what is going on with your family? And, you know, what does that, that big picture look like? And, and in that, um, we discovered um, that her mom, you know, was in the role that she was and her mom um, was actually a very gifted cook. And uh, we were able to provide um, uh, her mom with a micro microloan in order to get her a food cart. And her mom started uh, running this food cart. And she went from making $38, you know, a day to making $220, sorry, two hundred eight dollars a day, $38 a month to making uh, $220 a month. And between her and Bodum, and they were able to pay off the debt and and provide for the family. So it was the entire family that was able to change and the whole demographic of that, um, that change. And, and that was, you know, looking not at... Um, Bodum as just like a statistic, but looking at her as an individual and looking at and trying to figure out how to help her and not just her, but how to holistically help her family and, and change, you know, really the the scenario um, for everyone.
0: Um, Matt, what I love about your story of Bodum is that you highlight the importance of creating safety nets for communities that suffer mm-hmm. poverty. And that really relates closely to the mission of Rotary because Rotary is focused on, you know, building the resilience of community through the six areas of focus. And I'm glad you mentioned Michael Long as a, a tool that you've utilized after rescuing bottom to help advance her in her family uh, situation. And, and I wanna highlight here for the Rotarians who are listening, there's huge opportunities uh, to work with uh, Destiny Rescue because they, are not only interested in the rescuing, but also in preventing it uh, by providing the safety net. Uh, like I love the example you shared with me about water and like mm-hmm. how not accessing water can actually lead to human trafficking, can you explain that to our audience.
1: Yeah, so we actually, um, we, we use something called team trips um, where every year um, we take multiple trips over to Thailand and Cambodia and people can see the work that's going on and, and what's going on. Um, in in some of the villages that we partner with um so one of the things you know obviously i mentioned the rescue the restoration the reintegration but there's a preventative side as well um if a girl gets rescued and we recognize you know her family her sisters or brothers whatever are at risk we want to figure out well how do we you know help the family um and even before that how do we you know maybe help the village or help wherever they're involved in, in making that change um so you know last year we actually um, were able to, you know, do a well and, and start providing clean water for, for a village. And you look at the the difference in that where you might have a girl who has to walk three to five miles to go get clean water for her family. And that exposes her to all kinds of risks. You know, every day she, she's walking. But if, you know, if there's, if there's clean drinking water and there's um, that ability right there in her village and for, for her village, all of a sudden you remove um, that, 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 danger. Um, so definitely is, you know, part of that, that preventative side, um, as well.
0: Which is amazing how water, like Rotarians are, are focused on making, um, wa- clean water accessible to people uh, around the world. And, um, in the last episode, we've highlighted how it is important to that it provide, um, really safety net for many people from, against the coronavirus, because we're asked to wash our hands, Often and um, and fully mm-hmm. and now in this case water again shows up to show how it's protecting girls from human trafficking. If you make water accessible, they don't have to walk all all this time, and um, in, in places that are dangerous, that exposes them to this danger. Um, mm-hmm. so Matt, I want to um, think like I would like you to share with us about your personal experience um, helping rescuers and how, um, you've shared with me a story about a woman who was exhausted that you've, you know, you've had to, um, to meet throughout your work. So what's your role when you go to visit these places and what, what stories that you've experienced? Um, and I'll ask you more after that.
1: Yeah um, so my role as, as one of the, the directors with, with Destiny Rescue, I, I do go back over um, overseas two to you know maybe four weeks uh, a year um, and just part of that role. and, and part of that role, um, you know we do, out, we do go out on rescue or we are we're used you know with the, the agents depending on on how um, they need or, or where they're at. But uh, this last time, um, I was out there in November. And um, I was in Bangkok when um, our founder and actually one of our international rescue um, agent or the manager w- was in Bangkok as well. So I was able to go out um, with them uh, into some of the places where, you know, we know historically um, that there's girls being trafficked. And um, basically you, you go into to these places and you're, you're pretending to be uh, a customer and you're pretending that you're, you know, there for the same reason that everyone else is there but at the same time you are also you're not and um it's it's a weird environment uh, to be in for sure and um you you go into some of these places and and the girls are, are just there and they don't you know they don't have names they don't have a lot of them have like a, almost like an armband that just has you know a number and you're just like you know I'll take number 48 or, or, or whatever that is, and they have to listen, there's this girl um, that was in there, we didn't find out her name was, was, was Mai, um, and when we were there, you, you kind of go in there and you're kind of looking for, tel- you know, certain signs or whatnot, trying to find the youngest one um, that's in there, since, you know, our focus is, is um, you know, the, the minors and, and the the girls being that are, are trafficked, and I remember, you know, I'm, we're, we're in there and we're asking for, I mean, you, like I said, you pick them out by number, you know, 72, like come, come over. And, uh, multiple times, like we, we asked for, for her, uh, to, to come over and she like, she didn't want to come over. And finally, you know, her friend came over and she ended up coming over. And, um, I, I don't, I don't speak Thai, but the, you know, the rescue agents and, and stuff do. So they were able to communicate and talk to her and, um, turns out she she'd only been there for for a week, but um, she was a single mom who who now had to drive in, and this was her the only way she you know she she could take care of the family and and being used in 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 that way. Um, and I remember you know after we had been in there for a while, she um, was sitting next to me, and she just kind of you know held my hand and fell asleep on on my shoulder, and it was just crazy to me to be sitting there thinking like, okay, this this girl obviously like on whatever level that is, you know, is realizing that we're different than, than the other, other people that are in there. Um, And, you know, for, for that, that moment, for that, that time that we're there, she's safe from, from what's going on. And, you know, as, you know, when we had to leave, you know, obviously that's one of the hardest parts is, um, you know, you can't, just get everyone out all the time. Um, you know, as much as you wish, you could just walk in and, and take everyone out every single time you go anywhere. Um, you can't. You know, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, but can from
0: that's the reasons. Yeah, because that's really important because I know how hard it is. That was on you, but you, why, why this is important? Um, can you allude to the legal issues, to the big picture issues?
1: Yeah. um, You know, one of the, one of the, 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 main reasons is, you know, you're, you you do not want to not just, you know, blow your cover or or who else is there or or the, the agency, you know, there's, you know, people in in our agency that are, that are overseas that are known in, in certain places where they can't go, Um, you know, because people will recognize them and, and they're blacklisted basically from some, some of these places. And when you're, you're in in some of these places you know even when you're you want to offer a girl freedom or want to you know take her if if you go in one place and then and, and then leave you know there's a very good chance that the owner or whoever is is going to get tipped off to who you are and, and what that looks like um and that's part of you know one of the the, the struggles of, of the covert side um you know obviously a raid everything gets shut down and locked up and you you take care of everyone but in the covert, you have to keep, you know, maintaining the relationship. And there's there's different teams that come through, so you're not always the same people in the same place. And you pass your notes along and kind of like who you were talking to and all this kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of the times in in, in the covert side, you might offer, um, you know, uh, someone freedom or or to meet up or, or tell them that you have a solution, and they they don't take it. You know, um, there's a good chance that they're in in that scenario or in that situation because they trusted someone because they took someone's advice and what makes you different? Um, like they might, you know, get that, that, I don't know if you want to say vibe or feeling or, or whatever it is when, when you're there and kind of recognizing that you're different. But then when all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have something else that you could go do or, or place. then all of a sudden it's kind of like walls back up. Like, who is this person? Um, and the positive side of that is it normally allows there to be a gap in between um, when you were in the establishment to when the girl actually leaves. Um, Cause if it's a week or, or or three weeks or two weeks, you know, the odds of the owner having any connection to you, is not there? So it allows, you know, for that, that safety, but also it's, it's hard to leave someone who you want to get out in there. And, uh, you know, there was a raid that went um, in, in the Philippines and that, it wasn't going as, as planned, and one of and the agent was was out with um, one of the the traffickers, and they had to they had to hide. And at that time, you know, one of the girls went running by, and um, you know, we were talking to him, and he's like, "That's one of the hardest things, you know, you have to do is you can't let people know who you are. You you have to keep playing the part." And you know, it was amazing that for them, they were able to actually maintain the trust of the traffickers even after the the everything fell apart to be able to do it again and um and be successful but in some of those scenarios you know in the philippines there's you can hire a hitman to take someone out for about 100 us dollars so the the danger and you know what you're you're playing with kind of grows exponentially depending on where you are and um so there's always a, a balance of you know how much you press and what you do and how quickly you can develop relationships or how how slowly you, you have, but it's definitely one of the the harder things is to, to realize, you know, you're you're a solution for this girl and you're um, you have the ability to change her life, but, you know, until you can, until the timing is right until she's ready, you know, it's, it's not something you can, you can force and make happen.
0: So Amant, how do you cope? Like you, what do you? How this is hard because you care deeply about these women, and I know that you didn't join Distant Rescue without intention and without mat- the organization matching your personal values. So mm-hmm. you cope with um, with that challenge. Uh,
1: yeah, um, I think you know one of the biggest uh, coping um, methods, and even when I was you know, first first coming on board and talking with some of the guys that had been around was, you know, you can't you can't focus on on the evil of the situation and, and just the darkness that, that's going on. You have to be focusing on you know the restoration side. You have to be focusing on what what's the beautiful side. You know, obviously like who uh, always is saying like you know from broken to, to beautiful. Like if you 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 have to acknowledge the broken. You have to acknowledge what's going on in and that scenario. But you have to focus on you know the success and 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 that's what's driving you and the girls that are rescued and the girls' lives that are changed and you know you focus on Bodham whose entire family was changed. You focus on you know <clears throat> a girl named Roshana who was able to get out and, and finish her education and, and realize her dream and go on to be a, a graphic designer and you focus on you know Lakenna who went through our salon school and training and went in and opened up um, her own salon, and she she realized that it wasn't um, busy all the time. So she, like little entrepreneurial spirit, you know, um, started like a snack shack outside of her her salon, so she could be selling stuff and you know keeping herself busy when when the salon you know wasn't busy. And it's it's just I guess a constant uh, reminder and of of just focusing on on the impact, focusing on the change, focusing on. Um, the lives that have been changed um and okay. not just on
0: can you share it with us one of these uh beautiful stories um i there was i think one of the ladies who the her culture forced her into human trafficking yeah yeah um i can't remember sure. her.
1: yeah yeah Thanks. yeah no so that was um that was thank you for bringing that back up so yeah so as i mentioned there's kind of four um major ways um that you Know the exploitation happens and you have poverty, you have lack of education, and you have in the instability or, or family breakdown. Um, so that was kind of like Bodham's story, kind of pulled all of, of those together. Um, and then the other one uh, is really like a religious um, or, or cultural beliefs. And, um, a story that we lo- love sharing about that, um, is there's, there's practices in parts of the world, um, called jogany and uh, jogany is is basically you you offer your daughter, um, to uh, the temple priest, and uh, when she becomes age, uh, the 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 highest level priest will will rape her, and that's viewed as as a blessing. Um, it's viewed as you know your your family um, is blessed by allowing this to happen um, uh, to your to your virgin daughter, and and it doesn't it doesn't just stop there. Um, what happens at that time is the daughter that you offer um, is now considered a jogani, and she's forced to wear a necklace, um, that identifies, um, herself to the community, um, as, as, as a Jogini, and what that means is that any man, um, in the, in the community, in the village, at any point in time, um, has the right to be able to sleep with her, and she's not allowed to say no, and it doesn't matter, you know, day, time, place, or anything, that is, um, what she is, is, is forced to do, um, and she's, yeah, she's, she's not allowed to say no, and, uh, like I said, it's it's viewed as as a blessing, and we um, <clears throat> had this uh, lady who, who who she was a jogany. and and finally um, she decided one day that that that's not what she was, that she was more than that, that she you know didn't want to be that anymore, and she took off the necklace and she uh, went home, <laughs> and and you gotta admire that, that's that's amazing, but what happened was um a, a guy from the village was like no sorry you can't do that like that's not who you are like you are a jogani and you cannot change um that and she was like no i'm not i'm not i'm done i'm not gonna do this and she went to her house and he was he was yelling at her and uh trying to attack her and she she got into her house and she was able to you know lock the door and and close herself in um and the guy just got completely enraged and and, and broke down the door and and Came in uh, to her house and was able to to get a hold of her. and He dragged her out uh, into kind of the village, um, and and there is where he was, you know, he was beating her, and he, you know, odds are he would have pr- pretty much killed her there. Uh, but what happened was um, somebody recognized what was going on and was able to, to talk to one of our staff members, and they were able to get there in time um, to stop it and and save it and 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 break it up and. The, the crazy part of this story was like our initial thought was like, okay, we need to get her out of here. Like we, like she, it's not safe here. She needs to to be able to go somewhere. And she was like, no, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to leave. I want to stay here and I want to show other girls that this is not what they have to be doing, that um there, there's something else that they're worth more um, than this. And so she, she stays in, in the village now and she's, you know, showing and teaching and and caring for these other girls that are there uh, showing them that this is not what they have to be doing that their their life is is more than that that they are you know defined they're not defined by you know what what the other people are are telling them or the necklace or or anything like that
0: yeah and it's fascinating how culture uh sometimes forces women into uh, making choices they don't want um including human trafficking um, you've mentioned earlier, like, that in certain cultures, the it's so acceptable um, that women, you know, one person in a family can be kind of sacrificed because of poverty, for example, and the culture mindset to, to be, um, you know, human trafficked to get income so everyone else is better off. And, and that's just another example of how religious culture, or um, in many ways, is not really... On the side of women and their choices So um, in um, so many cases not like when you
1: know,
0: yeah. not, um and um, i wanted to ask you um matt this is like what's happening internationally um, because the human human trafficking is um there's a supply and demand so the mm. we recognize that a lot of the demand comes from the west people who mm. can offer and so the supply comes from the poor countries, the countries, countries of conflict. Um, so, but still we in the US, for example, have human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, how does that look like here? And also what is uh rescue destiny do for people in, in locally who are suffering from human trafficking? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, you know, we, we're, we rescue out of seven countries. Um, we are not currently in the United States as far as our rescue um, side is concerned. A lot of what we do um, here in the United States is, is awareness, is, is training on, you know, some of the signs and some of the things to look for, um, who you can reach out to um, as far as, you know, if you see something or if you think something is suspicious. Because, um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it is definitely um, an issue um, in every country of the world and, and in the U.S., um As far as you know what you do to, to, to fight against it and, and we are very blessed to be in a country you know he has um, almost every major city is going to have a, a human trafficking task force, you have the FBI, you have Homeland security, you have the human trafficking hotline, you have all of these resources um, that are ready to to you know fight and be involved in, and if they if they're you know see something or, or learn about it. And um, I don't know if I shared the story with you before, but actually you know they, they do take things seriously on, on it my mother-in-law um had a uh pal that she had been pin pals with for years and she um she lived in um in in eastern europe and when she was graduating high school she she told her hey guess what like i've got this free trip to come to the united states and um i'm gonna fly into texas and i'm gonna be get to travel around and she, she didn't know anything, like, that was it, she just, like, I got this free trip, and I'm, I'm going, and I don't know when I'm coming back, and I don't know where I'm going, and that was, like, okay, My mother and mom's, like, wait, what, How? why, and um, she she tried to, like, connect with the school, and, and all this stuff, and was not able to find out, you know, any information about what was going on, so she actually reached out, um, you know, the human trafficking hotline, and, and um, also, like, there's the blue campaign um, with uh, with homeland security and everything, and she she reached out to say, you know, this there was this concern, um, and they opened a case and they were able to look into it and, and all of it. It actually ended up being fine. It was the, it was another you know nonprofit that I guess brings girls from you know some of these uh, impoverished countries and able to bring them around, um, but they were like, you know, you did the right thing. Um, it is it is so much better to to. Think of something and say something and have us investigate it, then and, and it be nothing. Than for you know something to happen that that no one said anything about and have someone you know to be trafficked. So there are these resources and there are signs you know um, that you can you can look at and go to um, for that. Um, you know we partner with schools and, and we've done you know awareness and, and education on um, some of the stuff to look for in that. Um, a lot of what is happening here in the United States. Um, is with, um, online. It's almost, I think it's like three quarters of what's going on happens through social media interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, it happens through even now, like online gaming and Xboxes and Playstations and everything that links, um, that people can communicate and, and be involved, uh, um, through that and just start those relationships. Um, so there's so much in the awareness side of, you know, make sure you really, you really know who you're talking to and, if you're a parent or a grandparent or a, you know you have a niece or a nephew or or whatever that looks like you know explain um what exactly you know that that looks like and um you know the privacy controls of of who can see your account or or what um is going on I mean even you have- facebook and instagram that you know used to if you uploaded anything it showed your geotag and your exact locations of pictures and now you know that's gone which is awesome because you can't you post a picture at your at the park that your kids go to there's not hey this is that park or um, so there's a lot of stuff that's happening and changing but there's still a lot of stuff that people need to be um aware of and, and what's going on and even just getting um inspired to to be involved in in your local community i was at a uh peace conference in vegas um, in november uh, that we talked to with uh, with a bunch of different rotarians and there was a, a i forget how many clubs came up to us afterwards that were like well like we want to do something here in like the vegas valley and we want um to to partner with the the police and figure out you know what, what that is and what to do and it was it was so encouraging for us because i'm like yeah we don't we don't do stuff we like rescue and that here in the u.s but like if that's your heart like let's figure out how to do that like that's a win win in our in our book because it's you know this issue is so big and um, there's so much happening that it's not something that one organization can do or even five organizations can do. Um, so I mean as, as was mentioned you know for me that uh, like my one of my roles is, is helping people figure out what their yes is um, and how they can be involved and how they can fight and you know for, for those clubs like their yes is like let's get involved locally here in the Vegas area let's talk to the police let's figure out how we can support this and you know for some people it's like let's let's support an international and figure out what that looks like and for some it's like let's let's just try to figure out how to do both or you know whatever wherever that, that passion lies is you know let's figure out how how to be a voice, how to you know turn your hobbies and interests and, and all that into a, a way to grow awareness and, and a way to, to fight the issue.
0: I, I love Matt what you've highlighted about like how there's an infrastructure to fight human uh, trafficking in the US versus in the countries where you're trying to help. So in that way, um, uh, one second. I'm trying to, so is it Destiny Rescue or Rescue Destiny? Destiny,
1: Destiny Rescue.
0: Okay, so it's just, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Destiny Rescue um, does help in really filling the gap in on the infrastructures and the resources available on in the develop, uh, developing countries and the poor countries and you guys are doing in the U.S. is raising awareness, trying to mobilize support for your mission, and um, also help in any way you can the the victims here in the U.S. So, mm-hmm. um, so that is it, that is really a, I wanted some to highlight that with you, and I wanted to ask you, um, what is it that you dream for uh, women in general and, and people who suffer from? from human trafficking, um, all over the world, because that Mm -hmm. is issue that is close to your heart. Um, and especially that you have a a daughter and, um, and a son and you want to create a beautiful future for them. Um, Mm -hmm. what kind of impact you want to leave on the world, Mm -hmm. whether here in the U.S. or anywhere else?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's, I think yeah, even in the, at your beginning statement in my biography and everything just talking about like, you know, this is the issue that I, I feel called um, to be involved in fighting for and continuing to fight until, you know, everyone is free and doing all that we can to to bring awareness uh, to that cause. <clears throat> um, I think in that, you know, especially having a, a daughter, I mean, she's uh, just turned 11 months old. Um, so she's um, still, still very young and it's got, Take, take some time to for her to just kind of learn everything that's going on and all that um but just looking at her and I can kind of go back to you know that story of, of Jogany or if any of these these girls of um there there's so much more um there's 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 so much more value to who you are and what you can do and what you can accomplish and that you're not defined by you know, the necklace, you're not defined by the label, you're not defined, you know, by what people around you are saying. Um and you are capable of of doing, you know, really, you know, what, what you you set out to do and, you know, just encouraging, you know, I really I would say, you know, both of my kids. And I think as they move forward is finding not just what their their passion is and what brings them um, to to life, but ultimately you know, how do they take that and and move it forward but how do they then help other people with it um, you know i mentioned that you know my I, my parents my dad was a deacon in a church and and my parents and you know with the orphanages and everything and so much of that you know just like that that religious background of this idea you know we're supposed to love god and we're supposed to love other people and it's like are you are you loving god are you loving people are you caring you know enough to to not just be looking at yourself but to be looking at the community to be looking at the world and making a a global impact.
0: Thank you, Matt. So um, how can Rotarians uh, help? I'm aware that you are already, since you are a Rotarian. uh, That's (laughs) that's great news. Uh, And so you started a global grant uh, Mm -hmm. with, and I wonder if Anna can put this on the screen uh, so we can uh, put the number for all the Rotarians watching us now to learn how they can support this global grant So Matt, uh, where, so can you tell us a little bit about the global grant?
1: Yeah, so the the global grant that we currently have right now is to really bolster our medical um, facility and just, I think it's rolling out in a few different um, phases, Um, but we want to make sure that, you know, all of the girls um, that are coming into our care are able to get that, uh, the medical care um, that's needed for them. Um, you know a lot of like I mentioned the, the restoration and the reintegration process, like during restoration, reintegration, you know, they have counseling, they have um, social workers, they have job training and all that. and we think you know especially through um, the environment and everything that they've been in, uh, medical attention is so important um, for for them to all be able to have access to. Um, it's just kind of one of that, that basic you know needs that, that all of them are go- are gonna gonna have at that time. So that's really what the the first grant um, that we have right now um, is 2273, um, district 5300 has, has pledged some money for it, but we definitely, uh, need to get some more to, to get to that end goal, um, and then we do have, you
0: know, the number of like how much money,
1: um, I think pledged and along with, um, international, it's over $50,000, and I think the grant total, um, is like 116, okay, thousand to do it.
0: Okay, so I, I think with all the Rotarians here who um, has not been able to conduct peace conferences and, um, you know, or couldn't, you know, donate some of their money, uh, or they don't wonder if they, if they have resources and they don't know where to put it, I think this would be a great um, opportunity for Rotarians to consider um, in support of the human trafficking cause. So the grant number is 2273, it's with District 5300. Um, and, um, it is, uh, working closely with Destiny Rescue, an amazing organization that's fighting human trafficking. Um, please get involved. And, um, Matt, I wanted to, I forgot, I want to go back a little bit to highlight the uh, borders rescue, uh, that mm-hmm. you also are doing and how, uh, and the, and how you do that in Nepal and how like women, because you were talking about women and yeah. You know, you know, it's amazing because we're celebrating women and children this month and their health and also their, their empowerment. So how Destiny Rescue is empowering local women in Nepal in helping other girls and children?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned a while ago, the uh, three, that's the third way that we, um, our, our main rescues happen um, is the Border Rescues. Um, and the Border Rescues is a program that we actually launched in Nepal um, a little over a year ago now. And we started off with three borders. Uh, We're at seven and our goal um, is to continue growing from there. Um, So hopefully that's actually going to be a future global grant is to help us expand onto the, to the rest of the borders. Um, But one of the big, big things about Nepal is they have open borders. Um, They don't have um, any restrictions or any identification or anything that's required um, for people to cross in or out of the country, uh, which can make the trafficking issue obviously um, huge if there's no Paperwork, no identification, no anything for you to, to come in and out. So that was kind of you know one of the, the reasons that we started um, being there. And you know, as, as Breen mentioned, it is uh, the only place that we have an all female um, rescue rescue team uh, that for, that does the border uh, crossing checks and uh, works there. And they they work um, directly with with the Nepalese government, and they have you know full authority and uniforms to stop anyone and everyone at any point in time and question them. Um, and they're trained in what to look for, and they're, they're trained in the questions to ask and all of that. And in that, they have the complete right to not just, you know, question them, but also to stop and detain them um, if they think that something um, is out of the ordinary or doesn't, it doesn't seem right. And you look into, you know, as I mentioned, the uh, the education and the different stuff that leads to some of this. Um, I mean you'll have girls that are, are coming across the border with you know a promise of marriage a promise of work a promise or you know of a better life basically and they're telling these agents like oh I'm supposed to go here to, to meet this person or into this city or, or whatnot and they don't even realize that the train ticket or, or the bus ticket or whatever it is that they're holding isn't even going to the right city it isn't even going in the right direction of, of where it is and that's like the kind of people that are, are being taken advantage of in this, this situation. You know, I mean, if a girl gets here and she's like, I'm, I'm supposed to be going West and it's like, well, your bus ticket is taking you about as East, you know, as you can go. And the girl has no idea. Um, so it really is um, an, an exciting program just to, to kind of see, you know, the impact of that. I think the first year we had over, I want to say it was like 316 rescues um, on that. Um, and then we've expanded to uh, seven um, locations and, they, you know, obviously right now with the, with the coronavirus going on, the borders are definitely, um, different, um, but they were estimating it was going to be about 1500 rescues just off of the borders, um, and then continuing to grow, um, from there. Cause we've seen estimates of, you know, 40 to 60,000 people being trafficked across those borders, um, just because of the way that it's set up. So it's really exciting to, you know, have, um, the, the, this this team of, of women who just want to be fully involved, and also just you know how much the government ha- ha- has come on side, and they want to, to partner and 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 be involved just in that fight of, of stopping uh, what's going on.
0: Um, I, I just um, you know this mission, I can't ask about it forever. I will stop, and um, and respect of uh, uh, people's time, we should move into Q and A and see what sure. audience had. So for the q and I want to share that we have addressed probably some of the questions that were asked already. So I will choose questions um, that we have not. So someone asked, do you operate in Africa?
1: Um, we do not. Um, but as I mentioned um, before, we it's it's on the list of places that we're trying to look for as we're trying to get into 30 countries um, by 2030.
0: So, um I, so Salvador asked, uh, how can you sustain children from basically going back into that cycle? Is there a relationship you guys establish with the, with the children? How do you take care of them after you rescue them?
1: Yeah, um, so great question. Yeah, so for uh, the making sure that, you know, uh, the kids don't go right back in, uh, we have uh, the aftercare program. Um, one of the big things that we have in the aftercare program is we do try uh, to maintain contact with them for up to two years. Um, that's that's really like the minimum goal really is like we stay in contact with them for two years after they graduate from the program. Um, the idea is once family, always family. Uh, so they know if they ever run into an issue or they have anything, they can reach back out um, to us and and we will we help them. And we've had girls and, and people that have, have finished the programs to, to call us up to say, you know, I need help. Like this has happened or that happened and, and can you do it? And we've also, you know, had girls call us back just to say, thank you. And, you know, I'm married now, and I have two kids, and, and we have a house. And it's just like, it's incredible, just you know, having um, that experience. But one of the, like, really the, I'd say the, the biggest part of, you know, keeping them out um, is going to be just that, that relationship and that connection, and, and not looking at every um, case is, as the same, but looking at as every individual as just that, as an individual. Um, you go back to, you know, the story of Bodum, where uh, she, we looked at the entire family to figure it out. You know, we had another girl who her parents had died and um, she was living with a friend when, when, when everything went down. And, you know, some of our caseworkers um, spent hours driving into to villages that were three and four hours away looking for where she was from. And it was, it was a crazy thing because she was little when her parents passed away. So she didn't even know where she lived. And, but she, had, she remembered like what the middle of the village looked like. And they finally found the village that they thought she was talking about. Um, and when they took the girl back, there was a um, lady that had a little cart that recognized the girl and knew who her grandparents were and were able to connect her with her grandparents. And it was just like, that is insane. Like that, I mean, that's, you know, that's not a normal story, but you know, just that the heart of the, um, the social workers and the caseworkers, and really doing all they can to make sure that they're put back in the best environment possible. Um, we do partner with a lot, a lot of different nonprofits and other organizations across the world, because, um, like I said, we know we know this issue is bigger than us. Uh, we know we can't do it by ourselves. Um, so, in helping with with the aftercare and helping, you know, in job placement and all that different kind of stuff, that we do work with a lot of different other um, organizations and agencies. Uh, and I'm I'm not saying we have 100% success rate. There there absolutely are, um, you know, people that go back, and there's uh, people that lose lose contact, or that we don't know um, what happened to them. Uh, we do know that that girls that go through our whole program and graduate, we have about an 84% success rate that they do stay out of the industry. Um, and that's not saying that all 14% go back, but it's saying that we either know they went back, or that we are no longer in in contact with them.
0: That's a huge, you know, indication that you guys are doing a great job. Um, so I have a question from Mark. He's asking, do you have a relationship with a microfinance organization?
1: Um, we do, and we also provide some of our own um, loans just through some of the support and the, and the, and the sponsorships. Um, that, that we have. Uh, most of like the micro loans and everything that happened in some of the countries are all run through our country managers um, in that in that country. So we don't do it here on the on the U.S. side.
0: Awesome. Um, do you know that Rotary has a, a Rotarian action group for peace focused on microfinance? And so for- did. So, for anyone who knows about uh, or connected to the microfinance uh, rag in Rotary, please uh, reach out to Matt. Connect, awesome. Uh, together, because that's important work. Um, also, I um, Allison um, asked about how do you rate the work of Ashton Kutcher's organization rescuing children from sexual abuse? Um, uh, Allison uh, shared that. She believes a couple of years ago, he said they rescued 6,000 children and that there were about 26,000 per day being trafficked. So she would like you to comment, you know, about if you do you have a relationship with that organization? Do you collaborate? What? how do you think about that
1: organization? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I've I we don't um, uh, specifically connect uh, with Thorn, um, but I've I've only ever heard great things about them, and I know they do focus really um, on the cyber uh, side of everything and what's going on online. Um, yeah. Funny that you you do you actually say that because I just got a call from a guy who partners with their organization today and does a lot of their fundraising and a lot of their you know their their management and wanted to talk to us about. Some stuff so kind of just a random random uh connection in that uh, so who knows where where that comes from um but yeah no so i don't we don't i don't have any direct connection with them um but i, I everything that i've heard is that they're, they're doing some awesome things and really are focusing on on that cyber side um
0: that's that's cool um emmanuel um asked a question to you matt he's saying matt my question is simply on penalties melted um, on this individual that practices child traffic. Don't you think stiffer measures should be put in place to bring down this human traffickers? Um, is, is just becoming another pandemic situation in Africa and Nigeria, my country to be precise? Thank you, Manuel, you are from Nigeria. Good to see you.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I know, um, you know, with the United Nations and, and everything, there are a lot of um, different, uh, almost grade scores and different stuff that countries are given based on their on their laws and their regulations of, of what they have for um, human trafficking. Um, so a lot of those those laws and everything are in effect. You know, I know some countries, if you um, are caught with, with two minors, it's a life in prison. And each additional minor after that, you know, it's another life in prison. So if you have three or, or four minors that you are, are trafficking, you're potentially three to four lives in prison. Um, so a lot of a lot of these countries really are um, being involved in setting some of those uh, those goals um, to have some of those stricter stricter punishments. Um, and, and a lot of you know some of the stuff that we see is uh, you know like I said, we have the task force, we have you know a lot of the stuff going on here. And even you know I've I've talked with people in the United States with, you know, our background and, and, and what we have for human trafficking task force and all of that. And it's changed, it changes so much. And even like, you know, we talk about Ashton Kutcher's thorn, like the cyber, the cyber connection. So a lot of, um, you know, the, these countries, it's not that they're not wanting to fight it um, but it's, it's figuring out how to and, and finding partners in order to come alongside that and, and shut a lot of it down. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a work in, pro- in progress and, uh, you know, depending on, on the levels and where you ask, um, uh, I've heard it described as like, you know, you're we're on a battleship and the boat's turning, um, but it, it's not exactly something that just, just flips around quickly. So it's definitely making the change. Um, and I know even from I'm not going into like trying to get into politics, but if you look at uh, Trump and Obama and, you know, just some of the presidents we've had, like they, they're bringing to light the issue of human trafficking and people are talking about it at the higher level and the more you know, governments and, and presidents and, and people up there are talking about it, uh, the more awareness, the more support, the more people are fighting against it. So it really is encouraging to kind of see, you know, where everything's going.
0: Awesome. I have this uh, question from uh, Maria. Um, she says, I'm working with Rotary um, Montevideo uh, uh, in training high school teachers on the main contents of um, human trafficking. Then the teachers have to replicate the content of the workshops to their students. What message could you give us to share with them? If you want to share a, a message with the students, and Rotary uh, Monte, Montevideo is that Mexico? Probably. I
1: don't... Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Uh, I think you know one of the the biggest things um, in that is I, I would definitely go back to some of the social social media aspects of, of what's what's going on, making sure um, stuff like that is protected. Um, you know, I saw a statistic, I don't, I don't know if this is exaggerated, uh, so don't quote me on it, but it, it, was, it was something like, if you have an unprotected social media profile, the odds are pretty good. I think they said like 99% um, likely that a trafficker or someone has at least a look at your social media profile. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if it's really that high, but it just really does show. And even with the statistic of, you know, three quarters of trafficking is starting with relationships and everything um, online. Um, your online presence and then your social media definitely is something that needs to be um, aware and, and talked about um, and talked about early. Um, it's not, uh, you know, the, you have, you have uh, the average, you know, across the globe, you're looking at 14 years old, 15 year old um, kids being rescued. Um, that, that means you can't start talking to your 15 year old about this issue. It means, you know, she might already, or he might've already been trafficked or having something going on. So as sad as it is, it's, it's an issue that you need to start talking younger, um, about what's going on and, um, letting people know. And, you know, there, there, there's signs of, of things to look for. And it's, you know, ranging from, you know, all of a sudden behavior changes and, um all of a sudden you know different money happening or tattoos with names on it a market like there's there's a lot of different signs and stuff that, that people are looking for um but I think uh, one of one of the biggest things is just you know actually having a relationship and, and caring with the people about that are in your life and being able to recognize you know if things are are different um and and just how they're acting and what they're doing and you know seeing those changes
0: Thank you, Matt. Um, I hope, Maria, you had good messages to take back to your club and program. Um, uh, Nick asked a question um, about uh, law and order. So he said, is, are there ever any serious issues with law enforcement in some of your locations, meaning they are part of the problem?
1: Uh, yeah, I think no matter what country you're in, uh, whether it's the US or, or any of, of these other countries, you definitely do um, run into to issues where, um, you know, there is there are people that are okay with looking a different way or, or involved in some of the uh, some of the issues. Um, when you get into something that there's that much money being made and, and that much, you know, financial opportunity, um, you definitely do do run that risk of having that. Um, and, and, you know, in some of the countries that we we were in and uh, the, the rescue teams and the agents for especially for like the raids, um, it's taken a long time to really dwindle down, you know, the team to know like, okay, this is, this is who we can trust. And this is who is, is on the end of knowing when stuff is is going, is, is going to go down because there's only so many times where you can, you know, announce a raid and no one's there or, or everything got moved or, or whatnot. So <clears throat> um, yeah, it definitely is, um, you know, an issue that you run into, uh, really, I think, re- regardless of the, of, the, of the country that you're in.
0: Thanks, Matt. Um, the last question I'll take from Allison before we wrap this up. Um, Allison asked, is it more likely during this pandemic that these victims are less likely to be protected and rescued?
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's one of our concerns, um, is, you know, just, during times like this whether it's a natural disaster or a pandemic or financial or whatever that is uh, it is those people that are in need that are are most likely to be exploited Um, and that's you know our our CEO um, started saying that you know in this time like we need to be relentless in rescue um, and doing everything that we can and that's you know why you know the, the cyber the cyber rescue and um, you know just this the changes in, in what it is and it's hard you know for the agents to be in some of these countries where it's like everything that was normally happening and where we found these kids or what was going on is now shut down and they're having to figure out you know what is it what what changes and, and how do we adapt and what do we do differently now in order to rescue um so I think one of the um the cool things that one of our it isn't it's not that they're not gonna be rescued, but my, it might end up, and because of everything that's going on, it's, it, it's a delayed rescue um, because, you know, we're limited in, in what we can do and, and where we can travel. And like, you know, in some of these countries, we, you can't even really go outside uh, to what's going on.
0: Um, you're rescuing them at, by raising awareness and um, by mobilizing for the support of your rescuers. Um, hopefully, after the pandemic, we will probably work harder and that's why we're planting the seeds in this webinar and in all the awareness you're raising in the US so for in the future, uh, we will do this even more in a more impactful and wider way. So, um, I want to ask you one last question uh, before we end this webinar and I want you to dream. Um, so, you help all these women around the world and um, victims of human trafficking um, achieve their dreams because you want to give them their full human potential by starting by rescuing them because people can't even you know, think about anything but survive under these circumstances. So what you're trying to do is to put them and set them on a path for um, their own dreams. So I was wondering what is Matt Crystal' dream for our world and for your life? What is a dream that we can all support you to achieve? Because you have been helping achieve the dreams of many people.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's kind of a, a, one of the, the things that I would say is a dream. Um, it's kind of a weird dream to say is that I don't have a job. Um, and I mean that by, you know, in, in a, in a in a world that, Everything is, is, is fixed and this isn't an issue that we have to face um, in a place where this isn't, you know, done and people aren't uh, taken advantage of and, and kids aren't abused. And, you know, you wouldn't need people like me or need organizations like Destiny Rescue. Um, I think that's one of the one of the one of the biggest dreams uh, that I have. Which, like I said, it's, it's weird to, you know, wish yourself out of a job. But I think ultimately that that is the dream when it comes to, to something like this. Um, as far as you know, just being like a like a, a father, um, raising kids and whatnot. Um, there's a psalm in the Bible that talks about sending your kids out into the world, and you know, really the idea you know leaving a legacy behind of of something for for them to be doing. And um, I look at that and just think, you know, can I can I live my life and and, and not have my kids like me wanting to do everything that I did or or followed, but know what they're wanting to do um, and, and chasing after that. And I think. Uh, one of the coolest definitions I've heard of, of wisdom is, you know, like an old man planting a tree that is going to provide shade, you know, long after he's gone. And I mean, in seeing that, I think it's just, you know, I want to I want to raise a family and raise kids that are, are not just about themselves, that are about other people, um, that are about loving and caring for people, and leaving a legacy that, like I said, they don't have to be doing what I'm doing or or following the same path, but knowing. Um, that they're making an impact long after I'm gone.
0: That's a very beautiful, dream. Uh, we still have a few minutes, so I'm gonna not. I will keep you as long as I can. So.
1: <laughs> sure, sure, no worries.
0: So for for the uh, for the youth who are listening to this, because we are live on Facebook, and I believe many youth will be listening. And uh, you're you. I love your hat, Matt. It's so cool. Uh, <laughs> so. What, how, for the youth listening, what is the skills that you've utilized in your career to make you lead such a a very important mission and what youth can do and utilize their skills to help your mission on other missions they care about? Can you share examples or your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, Um, so as it was mentioned, you know, one of the big things that we do and and my role is figuring out what your yes is. and, and we love the idea of, you know, what are your hobbies? What are your interests? What are your passions that, that you're already doing? And how do you turn that, um, into a, a, a voice, an awareness, um, for a cause or whatever it is that you, you have a passion or a heart about, you know, for us specifically in fighting against human trafficking, um, you know, I think of, um, there's, there's a lady named, uh, Julia Berry, who, who runs, uh, marathons and different runs and races and stuff for us. And she does, um, basically raises awareness for us and, and funds on all all of the runs she does uh there's two little girls um named Addie and Kelsey and um they they've done bake sales and and jewelry like made like big ground jewelry and and different stuff like that um for to raise uh, to raise funds and I think they've raised a, a little over two thousand dollars at this point to, to help rescue kids and we have you know, there's a motorcycle club in Indiana that does a, a barbecue and a ride in the in the, uh, in the summer to raise awareness. There's a church out here in California that does a car show over the summer. Um, you brought up this hat. I'm actually wearing it kind of intentionally. Ultra Expeditions is one of um, our partners in uh, Texas. And they, they run ultra marathons and endurance races in all over the state of Texas and in different environments um, down there. So I actually... Um, ran my first 50k with them earlier this year and uh but they they just have a heart they learned about um what it was that we were doing and they've come all on board and, and partner with us just in the work that they're doing in Texas and it's not that they're they're changing everything they're doing they're just doing what they love to do and and, and have a heart to do and, and and run and do these races and all of that kind of stuff and and want to use that as a platform for uh, you know, awareness and um, to raise support and, and funds. Um, so I think for for youth and 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 students is um, you're not too young to to make an impact. Um, it doesn't matter what age you are or, or what um, you know what you're doing right now. You're definitely there. There's a way you can make an impact. There's a way that you can um, be a voice. There's a way you can uh, raise awareness. There's a way you can do something that that impacts. You know beyond yourself um and i think uh it it can be hard like i I think in culture right now we don't necessarily expect a lot from youth and it's very easy to 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 fall into that oh well if i'm not expected to do that much then i don't need to do that much and in reality there's so much potential in youth and there's so much impact in, in youth and i say this like i used to work with junior high and high school students and um like the, the potential is there. The drive is there. Um, it just needs to be figured out. And it ne- it needs, um, I think what, what it's, uh, this next generation wants to be connected to a cause. They want to be connected to something that's going to make a difference and, and make a really not just here, but but around the world. And it's just figuring out, um, you know, what that is that you want to be connected to.
0: Matt, that was an awesome interview. Thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. Uh, From the heart and from um, all these experiences that are very rich, intense, I I was transformed today by listening to you and I I believe you have added to um, the lives of all of us watching you and hearing you and I I, I know that you've impacted so many lives today by sharing your message and your commitment, inspiring commitment to helping uh, people with no help and being there for women and children who are really vulnerable in these situations. Matt, um, I'm proud to call you a friend and a colleague and uh, you. a fellow Rotarian. And I can't wait to see how Rotary and you can lead this forward. Um, and uh, we're just honored to be part of, uh, a little part of your journey um, on human trafficking and um, extension, hopefully. And No worries. Yeah. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah,
1: thank you so much. It really was a privilege and, and an honor just getting to speak to you guys and uh, truly appreciate you know the effort and all the work you guys put into to just making it happen. So uh, thank you so much for, for allowing me uh, the privilege to be here.
0: Thank you so much, Matt. And everybody, enjoy your um, day. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, stay uh, tuned for our next webinars. Uh, we are meeting every Friday this April. Um, and um, keep waging peace. We're socially isolated, but we are people of action. Please share this webinar on your Facebook. Go to the Retirement Action Group for Peace uh, page. If you wanna reach out to Matt after uh, to connect with him and collaborate, uh, Anna has uh, will be sending, um, yeah, please, uh, yeah, you can find his email down in the chat box and his uh, phone number. Please reach out to Matt. He's an amazing individual inspiring leader and I can't wait to see what he can do to transform our world even more Matt wage peace continue on your journey thank
1: you guys have a great rest of your day goodbye everyone thank you please reach out have a great day bye